Amen. I'm thankful that he is the, the way maker. And uh, I tell you, if you have something going on in your life, he is the way maker. And, uh, and Jesus can change uh, your life. If you have your Bible, go to uh, James chapter number 4. Uh, James chapter number 4 uh, here today. And uh, I appreciate you being in the service and uh, excited about uh, concluding this series. We've been in this series for the last several weeks, and uh, many of you have have come up to me over the last couple of weeks and either blamed me for some things that I have said, or you have thanked me. So I got people on all ends of the the fence uh, here today, but we've been in this series for better or for worse, and, uh, and we are concluding that uh, here today as we talk about conflict resolution. So if you are just tuning in or you've missed the last couple of weeks, I understand that happens from time to time. I want to give you just the big idea of why we've done this series. I really believe this, that the health of our church is determined by the spiritual health of the families in this room. I really believe it. I cannot say that enough that if we want a church that is, that is healthy, we have to have families within the church that are spiritually healthy. It, it, we can't accomplish a healthy church without, without that. A few disclaimers that I've said every single week, and you'll, you'll find the first one to be very true today as we talk about conflict resolution. First, Abby and I's marriage uh, is, not, is not perfect, okay? And uh, so I want you to understand that I'm no incredible expert on this. I just am a, a pastor. I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm a pastor and a shepherd uh, trying to share with you um, how relationships should work according to, to God's design. Today, we are going to conclude this series talking about conflict resolution, how to, how to resolve uh, conflict. Uh, if you're if you're married in here, how many of you have conflict with your spouse from time to time? Raise your hand. Okay, so most of us. If you're a child, if you're a child in here, how many of you have conflict with your mom or dad from time to time? Any kids in the room? Okay, few adults as well. I feel you. And so, um, but listen, there conflict resolution and how do we resolve conflict in a biblical way uh, is a is a part of every relationship, uh, whether it be a working relationship, whether it be a parent-child relationship, whether it be a marriage relationship. Every relationship will at times have, have conflict, and how do we resolve it um, the biblical uh, way? And uh, how many of you men would say that this describes you? Because I saw this this week, and, and this picture up on the screen described me perfectly. I'll read it for you. Behind every angry woman stands a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. Listen, I paid him $20 to be my amen corner. So if it gets quiet or uncomfortable or awkward in the room, I have somebody who, who can help me out. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, when we, when we think about conflict, conflict resolution, it can come uh, from number. How many of you have, have fought over over dumb stuff uh, from time to time with your spouse, okay? 
Um, well, one thing when I preach, I always like to be as transparent as possible, and, uh, and so I want to be true to uh, the Bible, and, and I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, but I also, I feel like every single week, I'm making you feel really good about yourself with some of the stories that I share from time to time, and uh, so you can thank me later uh, from that, but uh, me and my wife, we had um, a couple of instances recently uh, that really, I had to ask for her approval if I could mention uh, here in this in this sermon. Uh, so many of you understand that I am, and don't hold this against me, this isn't part of the sermon, and, and I've heard all the jokes in the world, but I am a Duke Blue Devil fan, okay? And, um, and here, here's the thing, thank you for that, but um, right, our online audience just went way down. Every time I mention that, it happens. So if you're watching online, stay tuned in, okay? But here's the thing, is um, I'm a Duke fan, and, and, uh, and you know, like any other Duke fan, I, I watch pretty much every game, and, and, um, and I'm into it. And, uh, and so the other day, um, and this is the life of Duke, you have a big win, and then you lose 48 hours later, right? And so, um, so I was watching last Monday night, and I'm sitting on the couch, I'm by myself, and uh, my wife... There's like hardly any time left in the game. I felt we were going to lose. And she comes up to me, and she wants to cuddle. <laughs> All right. So listen, listen. So I told her, okay, now don't, please don't judge me. I need to hit the altar. Would you guys give me a moment? I'm going to pray. But I told her, and it was very mean and ugly, I said, babe, this is not the right time to cuddle, okay? <laughs> and I, did, I wanted to be by myself. Any of you married with somebody who, if their team's losing, they're in a bad mood? Anybody, or is that just me, okay? All right, so, so I was like, man, so afterwards I realized, hey, that was an ugly husband move. That was terrible. It was not smart. It was dumb. You figured I, I'd, I'd learned my lesson. Well, it's like the next day, okay? And, um, and we were getting ready, and, and I was going to work, which I take the kids to school each and every day. And uh, so we are at the house, and my wife, she got called in to sub here at the school. And, and so she's getting ready as well. And, and, um, and she said um, on three different occasions, uh, that morning while we were getting ready, because she had to be here as well, she said, man, I really, really wish I had time to go down to Big B Coffee and get me a coffee. So she said, and I'm just getting ready, minded my own business, and I keep hearing her say that. <laughs> like, go get you a coffee. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I think I'm like, man. So being, you know, I should have really thought, man, this is my opportunity to, you know, maybe put myself in, in the good light on Sunday morning. And so I didn't think anything about it. And she goes to, to sub. I go to work. I get home that afternoon, and, um, and I was so excited. She gets home, and, and I was like, it's like, tell me, how, how was subbing? You know what she said? She said, it would have been a lot better if my husband picked up on the three signals I made this morning to go get her a coffee. So I know nothing about conflict resolution. But listen, conflict is a regular part of a part of, of life. 
In fact, I heard a country preacher one time say that before marriage, opposites attract. After marriages, and he said it in a country version, he said after marriage, opposites attack, <laughs> right? You feel me? And I'm like, man, if I, I could, you know, channel the inner country preacher in me, that's, that's kind of sums up what relationships uh, look like. But conflict is a, a part of, of, of life. And, and in James chapter 4, and, and this is going to be a little bit of a different sermon. Many of you who are church members and you're here uh, regularly and you know how I like to preach, uh, this might be a little bit, we're going to be a little all over scripture a little bit. So there's going to be a lot of, of verses that we're going to share throughout this to give you some principles on handling uh, conflict the right way. But uh, in James chapter 4, he really talks about um, where conflict arises from, where it comes from. He says this in verse 1, from whence, or from where, come wars and fightings among you. In other words, what he's saying is, where does, where does conflict come from? Don't look to the person next to you, okay? That's not a good thing to do. You might be like, hey, it's right, it's sitting next to me. That's where conflict comes from. But he says, where, where does conflict come from? And, and uh, I mean, because conflict's a part of life. He said, come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in, mark that word, in, in your, in your members. In other words, what, what he's saying is he's suggesting that all conflict, and this is true of, of our life. I want you to understand. I want you to hear me, okay, because we're going somewhere. All conflict comes from within. It comes from within, you know, because if you, if you look at life, whether it be, you know, your job or, or in marriage or, or, uh, or with your family, your kids, or, or with your parents, when we think of conflict, we naturally go to the other person, don't we? If you're like me, you, you immediately say, man, I wouldn't have any conflict, conflict if she understood me. Or if he saw things my way. And, and so we constantly, uh, we think that it's always about the other, other person. And what James is saying is he's saying conflict is actually from within. When we allow the flesh, when we allow uh, the flesh to run our life or the flesh to, to lead our life, that is where conflict comes from. It's not because of the people around you. It's because of the sinful person with, within you. So he says, verse 2, Ye lust and have not, ye, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. He says, because you can't get your way, you get angry to the point of murder. Now, you've got to understand this. When you read that, you're thinking, okay, I'm not... I'm not a murderer, you know, and, and so this doesn't really apply to me. You have to understand what James is writing. He's writing to a group of believers. They probably weren't murderers either. So he's using this hyperbole, if you would, and, and basically it carries on the idea you don't get your way, so therefore you get angry, right? Go back to the original illustration, okay? So Duke was not winning the game, so I was mad, so therefore I created conflict because I didn't get what I wanted. That's how conflict arises in your life. You don't get what you want. It can be as simple as, man, I wanted to eat here, 
She wanted to eat here, so therefore we have conflict. Or if you're like our house, it could be like, I wanted to load the dishwasher the one and only right way, I'm just saying, and she wanted to load it a, a different way, right? That's where conflict arises in life, and that's what James is saying. It says it comes from within, and when we don't get our way, we end up getting angry, and we have conflict with one another. He goes on to say, and desire to have and cannot obtain. When you cannot obtain what you want in life, it makes us angry. So therefore, the result of our anger, we fight, we war. You have not because she, you ask not. Let me, let me tell you this, that conflict, especially in marriage and in all relationship, it, it's inevitable. If you're going to try to avoid all conflict, you're probably going to miss the mark every time. Every relationship in this room has conflict from time to time. If you're young in here and you're looking for the perfect relationship, there is no such thing. Conflict is a, a part of life. It's a part of every relationship. And, and we, have to, we have to know how to handle it. Conflict is basically this from James chapter 4. When we begin to say they see it their way and we see it the right way. See, see what James is saying? It is, this is why conflict arises. It arises this way with, with kids, and it arises this way, like literally, my, my daughter yesterday. Um, she And I don't use a lot of illustrations about my daughter because she is, like, um, just awesome and, and perfect. And Okay, she's not perfect. But yesterday, I was getting on to her, and I raised my voice a little bit. And... And she said to me, sweet little Lindley, okay? She said to me, I told her, I was like, you're being disrespectful. And, I, and she said, how? I said, raise your voice. She said, the reason I raised my voice is because you raised your voice. <laughs> That's what she told me. You see, here's what I want you to understand is that, is that in conflict, conflict arises within us because we see something our way and you feel strongly that you see it the the right way. So therefore, we argue, we fight, we debate, because we want everyone to see things the way that we want to, to see it. You see, the goal, and, and this is the spiritual goal, and I want to be as practical as I can from Scripture today. The goal of conflict resolution is not, I want you to understand this, it's not to get people to see things your way in your relationship. If, if that's why you're here, you're hoping that when we leave, they will see things my way or they will understand my way. That's not the goal of conflict resolution. The goal of conflict resolution is rather to live out, you and your spouse, to live out God's way in your relationships. To live out God's way. You say, what does that look like? How do we live out God's way? And what exactly does God's way even look like with, with my relationships with my spouse, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my teachers at school, my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my friends, my relationship with my boss or my coworkers or my family? What does God's way even, even look like? I want to give you a few principles that, um, that I believe are, are from Scripture that show exactly how God's way looks like when we resolve conflict. Number one is this. God's way 
overlooks a lot. It overlooks certain things. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, the scripture says this, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The book of Proverbs is, is a book all about wisdom. It's about applying heavenly wisdom, that is, wisdom from above, to our relationships, to our conflict, to everything that happens in life. And, and Solomon, he says this, he says that it, it's the wise thing to do to sometimes pass over a transgression, to sometimes overlook something that's, that's wisdom, Proverbs 12, 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Some translations translate that last prudent man covereth shame to say this. The prudent ignores insults. You see, here's what you have to understand. When, when like Solomon is writing, you know, the wisest man to have ever lived, when he's writing about this, he's saying that sometimes it is a wise thing to let things go sometimes. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? How many of you are married to somebody who always has to have the last word in? Abby, you can raise your hand. Okay? Listen, I literally asked my wife, I said, I can't remember if it was last night or this morning, I said, hey, babe, do you think, um, can you think of a time when, when, like, I had to get the last word in when we were arguing over something? She said, and it didn't take her long, she said, every time. <laughs> because I love to get the last word in, right? I mean, that's how we, we are. Have you ever been arguing with somebody and, and if you're young in here, you know what I'm saying when you're arguing with your parents about something. So you can lean in a little bit, but especially in the marriage relationship, have you ever been arguing about something and you can't hear a thing they're saying because you're waiting until they stop talking for just a second so you can say what you want to say? You ever been there? Okay. Because that is, but here's what Solomon's saying. He's saying that is not the wise thing to do. That's foolish. You, you see what he's saying? It, is he saying that's foolish to be the one that has to la have the last word all the time and, and to say something last? You know, I'm notorious for that in our relationship. When me and Abby uh, get in an argument, it, usually I'm still wanting to say something like days later. You know, it's just like, hey, you remember that thing the other night? Hey, really, I want you to understand where I was coming from, you know? And, and it's like, it's not doing any good because I'm showing that sometimes I can be a foolish man. The wise thing to do, the scriptural way, the God way of handling conflict is sometimes we have to let certain things go. We have to be willing to overlook certain things. By the way, your life would be a lot easier and it would be a lot more calm if you were willing to apply this sometimes and let some things go from time to time. I'm being honest. Some of us, we can't let anything go, can we? You walk in the door and, and you're upset about, you know, the food. And you're upset about the dishes. And you're upset about, you know, your kids. And you're upset about this. And you're upset about everything. And what, what Solomon is saying is if you could apply some scriptural, biblical wisdom to your life, 
then you need to be willing sometimes to overlook certain things. The wise person's willing to let certain things go. The wise person believes the best about the other other person. God's way, you want to live out God's way, overlooks a lot. The second thing about God's way is this, it's, it's gentle. God's way is, is gentle. Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man uh, be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of, of meekness or gentleness, considering thyself, lest thou also be, be tempted. Proverbs 15.1 uh, says a soft Answer, turneth away wrath, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath. Let me say that again. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Think about it. That's about as plain as I can be. That's straight from the Bible. You want conflict to stop in your life? Respond gently. Respond softly. In fact, I would, I would tell you that some of your conflict would, would go away if you decided that you are going to start responding to people in your life the way that Solomon is telling us to, by responding softly and, and gently. You see, gentleness, it's an important Christian virtue. In fact, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It, it, it flows from, from within. I, I want to challenge you. I know that uh, many of you are, are believers in this room, and if you're not, then, then this is where you've got to accept Jesus into your life so that you can find gentleness in your life. You see, here's what you have to understand. Gentleness, it's a fruit of the, of the Spirit. So in order for us to respond softly, in order for us to respond gently, we have to have been changed from the inside out. It's not a fruit of you, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And the only ones who have the Spirit are those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. And so the only way for you to respond gently the way that, that Solomon's challenging us to, and the Apostle Paul is this, you got to accept Jesus. Gentleness flows out of a personal relationship with him. You say, what does is, what is gentleness look like in my life? I, I believe, just to be as practical as I can be, gentleness attacks the problem, not the person. Gentleness attacks problems, not, not people. Let me encourage you, if you're in a relationship, avoid sarcasm. Avoid name-calling. Fight here. I tell couples all the time, fight fair. Fight the right way. Argue the right way. Debate the right way. Attack the problem, not the, not the, not the person. You see, gentle confrontation, it's done out of respect for the other person. Another way you can be gentle in your relationship is resolve one problem at a time. How many of you, you know, you, you have an argument about the dishwasher, and next thing you know, you're arguing about six or seven other things before the night's over. Any of you like that? Man, I wish some of you would be more honest with me because I feel like I'm laying it all out here today, and you guys are like, wow, I'm looking for another church this week. <laughs> See what Google has to offer, okay? But listen, that's, that's how we are. Sometimes, you know, we're arguing about the kids, and next thing you know, we're talking about something that happened years ago that we've piled on and piled on and piled on and piled on. You see, that's not, that's not the biblical form of, 
of gentleness, biblical gentleness. It, it resolves one issue at, at a time. So to avoid piling on all these other things. How about this? Another way you can be gentle. Avoid exaggerated language. You know what I'm saying. Some of you, you walk in, you're like, you never. I don't know why I used that voice when I did that, but that's how some of you sound. I believe it when you're at home. But like we say, you never do this. Or how about this one? You always do this. And what happens is in relationships, whether you're talking to your kids, whether you're talking to your spouse, when you use exaggerated language like that, you begin to, uh, to tell the person and they begin to feel something about themselves that there's something fundamentally wrong with them, that there's no way that they can actually do what you're asking them to do. You see, that's the opposite way of, of gentleness. Gentleness is, is meekness. It, it doesn't mean weakness. It, it, you know, in our culture, sometimes we think being gentle, it's like, man, I don't want to be gentle. I want to be, be a man. You know, I want to be macho, you know, and I want to be tough and, and everything like that. And listen, it, it doesn't mean weakness in your life. It's actually a strength. It's living out of who has changed your life from within. That's what gentleness is. So let me challenge you in your relationships some of you, it would change a lot if you applied applying a soft answer in your home. Stop yelling. Stop raising your voice. And, and start to respond to everyone in your home in a gentle manner. That, that would take care of a lot of our problems. Number three, God's way listens more than it speaks. So, so God's way, it overlooks a lot. God's way is gentle. God's way listens more than it, than it speaks. Proverbs 18, 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. It's folly and shame unto him. So we, we do this all the time, don't we? we? We're ready to answer something before we've actually heard what the person's trying to say. James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to, what's the next word? Speak. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Slow to, slow to speak. Listen, I, I believe this. Most communication issues and relationships are not speaking problems. They are listening problems. I really believe that. You know, I, I bet you that a lot of things would be solved in your relationship if you would stop talking and start listening. It, it's something that is hard for us to do because if you're like me, you, you feel like you need to be the one driving it. Because, because remember, James chapter 4, where does, where does fights and, and wars and conflict arise from? It arises from within when, when we don't get our way. And guess what? When you don't get your way, you have to start arguing or, or taming the conversation so that you can make sure that they start seeing things your way. That's how conflict, that's how conflict comes from, from within. 
And God's way is completely different than the way that you are naturally built. The flesh that we have in life, we want everyone to see it our way. God's way is saying, hey, stop talking and trying to get them to see it your way and start listening. Start listening. Um, Some ways to do that. Practical. Seek to understand, not to be understood. You know, some of us, we need to understand. You know, this has been a challenge because if you're like me, you just feel like it goes back to what that country preacher said, you know, that I mentioned at the beginning. Opposites attract, and then over time, after you get married, opposites attack, right? And so when you're you're dating, it's cool to, to be different. But when you start living with that person, differences can be challenging, right? They can be, they can be difficult. And, and so in our relationship, I, I struggle sometimes because I just think that Abby needs to see things my way. And, and I think Abby needs to do things my way. That's why I'm walking to this side of the stage. <laughs> and I think that Abby needs to think the way that I think. And I think Abby needs to respond to people the way that I respond. And I think that Abby needs to, to re- react to situations in life the same way that I react. You see, you see the point here? Is that in our life, it's not all about that. It's about understanding the person that, that especially in marriage, that you've, you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with. It, it's trying to understand how God uniquely built them differently than you. It's understanding that, that you might see it this way, and this is the way you respond, and this is the way you react, and this is the way you think, but it's also understanding that God made them this way, and this is the way God made them to think, and this is the way God made them to react, and this is the way God made them to react to situations in life. You see, we need to sometimes stop talking and start listening and seeking to understand Another practical thing is don't interrupt. Don't interrupt in a relationship. This one's hard, isn't it? Let's just be real. It's just like, you ever tried to have a debate with your spouse and you're talking over one another, right? It never works. You need to let let the other person speak. That's wisdom. Some of us are so foolish. And I don't mean to be harsh because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm as foolish as anybody else. Some of us are just foolish in the way we handle relationships. Because most people, we want them just to see our perspective and our point of view about everything. You know, in our relationship, we sometimes struggle because men, and I'm just a natural problem solver. So if Abby comes to me with a problem that she had with anybody in this world, whether it be work-related, whether it be a friend, whether it be family, I always always pretty much try to solve her problem. Any men like that, your wife comes, you're like, I got four steps to solving this, right? She begins to say that I'm, I'm preachy at her. Let me, let me say this, is sometimes because of our, our desire to solve the problem at hand, here's what happens. We begin to rationalize the other person that maybe she had ought with, or, or we may be, begin to make them feel illogical, like, why are you feeling this way? Because we're trying to rationalize the problem. I want you to know, and if you're young in here and you're not married, you need to listen to this. 
that rationalizing your defense in a conversation or, or if you're co- having a conflict with your spouse and, and you try to say, well, you're not seeing it the way that I see it. You know, I, w- I didn't mean anything by it. Trying to respond that way, I have never one time said that to my wife and she responded, you are so right. I, I feel like an idiot for getting hurt over that. I thought I was offended, but after your help, I realized I'm not offended at all. You are the best husband ever. <laughs> Listen, I just want you to know that's never happened when I try to explain my way to, to her. You see, we have to understand where they are. Some of us need to just shut up and start listening in our relationships. Last thing, we're almost done. Some of you are like, I came for the giveaway, not for this. <laughs> Four, God's way is quick to forgive. It's quick to forgive. Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, the forgiveness of God is so overwhelming that it should motivate us to forgive everything about everybody else. Some of you are struggling to move on in your relationships because you're harboring bitterness in your life. When you think about what God has done for you, it should change you from the inside out and motivate and inspire and change you to be willing to overlook and forgive things about the person that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with. In other words, forgiven people, those who have been forgiven by Jesus, should forgive others. Forgiven people forgive others. When you go deeper into the gospel, understanding what he has forgiven you of, it will change us to forgive others. John Wesley, the British evangelist, he said when he discovered the gospel, it was like learning about a rich uncle you didn't know that you even had who left you an incredible fortune of like $10 billion. While on the bank to to collect it, you get within a mile and one of the wheels to your carriage falls off, or in today, your car. He said, do you get upset, angry, or even blame God? No, you hardly notice, and you go on your way, skipping and running the rest of the way to collect your treasure. You see, the point of that story, what Wesley was trying to say is, when you've been changed by the gospel, every fault every offense, every flaw along the way that you see in other people, it's easy to forgive because you are focused on what he has already forgiven you of. See, when you realize what Jesus has actually done in your life and you realize what he has forgiven you of, then there's nothing that the person that you're living with or or the parent that God chose you to have that you can forgive them of. Nothing. You say, well, you don't understand what they did. Well, listen, I might not, but I do understand what you and I did to him. And if you can convince me that your fault or the person next to you's fault is bigger than that, you're not going to be able to. Because he's forgiven us of way more than we have ever been offended of. And you've got to understand, God's way, it's quick to forgive So let me ask you this. Are you wanting your spouse, your kids, your boss, your parents, your teachers, are you wanting them to see your way, or are you daily living out God's way? Are you gentle? Do you overlook some things? 
Do you listen? Are you quick to forgive or do you harbor grudges? See, God has forgiven you of so much. We need to go deeper into the gospel. And by the way, as we conclude this series, I want you to understand, if you can get a better glimpse of the gospel and understand the gospel and and spend time with God each and every day, it's going to change you from the inside out that a lot of these relationship issues that you're having, they'll solve themselves because of you getting closer to the one that matters, to the one who can change your life. Would you bow your heads with me?